Welcome to the Traffic Masters Show. Each week, Traffic Masters explores the lifeblood of your business, generating traffic, turning visitors into leads, and conversion strategies. Mastering traffic and conversion allows you to grow a business you love and live the life of your dreams. Welcome to the show. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Traffic Masters on here here on Blog Talk Radio. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, the Dean and Founder of Directions University. And today, Jack and I are so excited about our guests. We have got a great show lined up for everyone. We have my co-host, Jack Humphrey, the Associate Dean of Directions University, calling in from Richmond, Indiana. Hello, Jack. Hello. I didn't even spoil your thunder and announce who the guest was. Oh, you want me to do that? Okay, I'll do that. It's not really a big deal. It's just Joel Calm. It's only Joel <laughs> Calm on Traffic Masters Radio. That's all it is. That's no big deal, right? Yeah. That's what it so is. So anyway, I'm... <laughs> oh yeah, you can talk now. I guess if you want to, Joel. Let me do an introduction you. though, because I've heard that you, you big guys like you and Chris Brogan, you don't like people, you know, inviting you on shows and then just letting you, you know, kind of just dangle out there. So I'm going to give you a proper introduction, and then I'm going to totally mutilate it with my own. So let me no do a dangling. proper one. No dangling. <laughs> no dangling here today. So here's the formal one. Joe Com went from having only 87 cents in his bank account to creating a successful multi-million-dollar corporation. He's uniquely poised to instruct and inspire when it comes to using the various forms of new media as avenues toward the greater goal of business success. Try to say that six times. Uh, Joel's not just another social media expert. He's been building profitable and cutting-edge Internet ventures since 1995 and really, really cool iPhone apps. Uh, Joel can share how to use social media as a leveraging tool. He shows us every day on Facebook and Twitter, at least, uh, to expand the reach of your brand. So uh, I think that's enough. Isn't that an? Oh, no, that's not even close to it. He's also the uh, author of all kinds of books. You might have heard of a couple of them way back when, the AdSense Code, or maybe Twitter Power, or maybe Kaching, uh, running an online business that pays and pays, or maybe maybe the highest rating that you've gotten so far on Amazon. So what do you do discovering the genius next door with one simple question? Is that is that an awesome introduction, Joel? Did I do okay? That, that's a really good – you know, let's, uh, let's ask Alexa a question. Alexa, <laughs> who wrote Twitter Power? Wait, I said her name twice. Oh, no. Alexa, who wrote the book Twitter Power? Twitter Power's author is Joe Kahn. That's right. Alexa, you're very smart. Thank you. <laughs> oh, good Lord. So if you I guys teach it to the funds. If you guys I was going to totally razz you about that. I still will find a way because we have a while here to talk. So... Uh, but I'm just loving how this just pans out on – I'm mainly watching you on Facebook, as I think a lot, a lot, a lot of people do. And uh, Joel is currently geeking out on his new toy from Amazon, yes. the Amazon yes. Echo. What do, you want, what do you want to say? I mean, it's only been like five minutes. You guys haven't really built a strong relationship yet, have you? Alexa and I? Um, well, she'll tell me a joke. Like, Alexa, tell me a joke. What is black and white and red all over? An educated penguin. There you go. (laughs) 
That was actually kind of funny. So, yeah, I'm going to send you a machine, though. You do an unboxing. If you guys want to check out joelcom.com, and we'll talk about that thing later. But joelcom.com with two M's. Uh, and you'll see Joel doing an unboxing of his new uh, Echo and also uh, starting the sucker up. Really brave because you hadn't even actually practiced with it yet, right? You were just letting everybody yeah. see what it was like to yeah, get her out and play I probably shot shot about 30 minutes and edited down to, I don't know, 10 or 11 or so just because I was just being silly and, you know, there was gaps in there. But, yeah, it was my first time using it and uh, kind of fun because I don't even look at my watch. I just say, Alexa, what time is it? And then she doesn't turn on. Alexa, what time is it? The time is 10.04. There you go. She's kind of like a dog. Like, if you say it in the wrong way the dog doesn't even perk up but then you said with a more stern dog listen to me voice and she woke up that was awesome well and you can do some training actually with the app to get it to recognize your voice better but really you can be in the other room i was uh, in my office last night and i asked for tomorrow's weather and you know it picked up on me and it's really pretty amazing device wow well, maybe I want one. I said on your uh, feed that I I was so satisfied with your unboxing, I didn't even feel like I needed one. But now that you've played, I, you added the video later, and you asked some questions, and you made it seem like something I want now. Like, yeah. that was really you know, cool. Jack, maybe we can cool find a way. Maybe we can find a way to get somebody to trade in our Google Glass for Alexa. That, well, you know what? If you're a Prime member, it's only $99 for one of these, and it's a pretty good USB speaker. Uh, Jack, what's one of your favorite musicians? Uh, Led Zeppelin. Alexa, play Led Zeppelin. Shuffling music by Led Zeppelin. There you go, babe. I'm going to leave you, right? <laughs> Thank God it wasn't the stairway to heaven. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty amazing, and it pulls from the um, Amazon Music Library, and if you're Prime, then you've got access to like a million songs automatically. And if if it's not in the library, it'll play a sample of it, and you could tell it to buy it right there. While it's playing the sample, you can just say, buy this. I'm not going to say her name to wake her up. (laughs) <laughs> it's a, this little Darn this it. black metal cylinder is a is a she. So go figure. I'm going to try to get that thing to buy the most expensive thing on Amazon before this show is over. <laughs> Do you think she can hear you know, me I, through your speaker? I uh, nope. You're in my earbuds, and I don't know Not if uh, if it buys anything more than music right now. But you know, I'm sure this is just the first iteration. I'm already thinking of, you know, things that I would like it to do to be more specific. But uh, it answers questions pretty impressively as well. Alexa, how tall is the Empire State Building? The Empire State Building's height is 1,250 feet, 381 meters. I mean, we're learning stuff here. Yeah, I like learning. This would be terrible, though, for kids to have sitting in front of them when they're supposed to be looking things up. You know how we used to look things up in a dictionary and things? What well, is, what, you know, our skill uh, set, the need for our skill set is changing. You know, it's just like handwriting is not all that important anymore because we type now. We have a, a faster, 
more effective way of being able to uh, to put you know, to write stuff down. True, true. Horseshoeing is not that big of a deal anymore, and I guess nobody's no. really worked up about that. So we'll probably no, get no. over this. You know, uh, being being a chimney sweep, uh, you know, not as not as popular as it used to be because so many of us have uh, gas fireplaces now. Yeah, but I still get on my roof with my top hat and my well, never mind. You do the whole Mary Poppins thing. (laughs) You you are Mary Poppins. So I feel like Amazon should be paying me for you know. Well, I was just getting ready to say, how much are you making? Yeah, how much are you making uh, for this? Uh, Nothing, but I'm having fun, and that, my friend, (laughs) is the key to my success. Well, I was going to ask you about that. People are thinking, man, I tuned in. They're going to have Joel Collins, Traffic Masters. What the heck are they talking about, and how does this have to do with traffic? But it does. Doesn't everything that – I mean, you are really a good example of someone who is taking all that stuff out of those social marketing books and actually doing it. And it's so funny that, that what you're doing, if you've read maybe one and a half social marketing, how to, how to really tell stories and – be successful and and leverage and and you know get your brand out there. You're you're doing it like clockwork, and yet I know more than pe- more than you and a couple of other people have read those same books, and you wrote those books, and I don't see a lot of people doing it like you're doing it, and I don't know that people can actually see that what you're doing on social media, how it actually translates into traffic and into leads and into gigs for you. Can you explain how it feels to be on the Joel Com side of what you're doing? Uh, you know, it, it feels great. I, I love being me. I don't know. I don't <laughs> think I do very well at being you, you know, or, or Gina. I think I would really fail at that because it's not real, not authentic. So right. I'm just doing what seems natural for me to do, and I'm not afraid to put myself out there because I really don't care what people think. And honestly, more people are going to applaud somebody being transparent and vulnerable and authentic than somebody who's just being phony baloney and they know it. So with me, what you see is what you get. And in the age of social, it's more important than ever because uh, people want to hire real people to do business. We do business with people we know, like, and trust. And Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, people feel like they know me, they like me, and and they have a sense of trust about me because they know I'm an ethical marketer and I've been doing this stuff for 20 years. And my track record kind of speaks for itself. And and that gives me an opportunity to just share my life, what's interesting to me, what I like, what I don't like, what I think is funny. And you'll notice by and large that my social stream and my blog consists of positive things. I don't focus on the negative. I don't really uh, participate in the news debate, the political debate, the religious debate, because I think that in the social space, that usually just tends to be divisive because it just brings out you know, the opposite sides. And I believe that there's much more that makes us alike than separates us. And I'm not going to persuade somebody to my way of political thought via Facebook. It's ridiculous. So why even try? Why not just keep it positive and and, uh, a unifying thing? Does that answer your question, or did I just go off on a tangent? I don't even know. Well, no, we'll get – I mean, it's a big question, and we're going to have to attack it from a few different angles. But that's a great start. (laughs) 
And uh, But one of the things I wanted to convey to everyone is I've seen many examples of what you've just said in real life with you, and one that comes to mind without coming anywhere near mentioning names or anything, but the, we were at a conference, and something happened that was negative. And I saw you take some action, and it was kind of uh, – it, it kind of didn't work out at first, and then you fixed it in a way that – I've never actually seen anybody do <laughs> before. Uh, without giving any more details, I thought uh, the thing you know that that you did at JV Zoo was pretty miraculous. It, uh, you didn't get dragged down into that negative thing that happened, and somebody got a misunderstanding happened, and they got mad at you for a second, and and you went and took care of it, and you like in three seconds that dude was not mad at you anymore. <laughs> Because you cleared it up and you stayed calm, cool, and collected, and it really, tr you know, showed me that you actually live by this, uh, you know, do no harm motto or whatever motto that you might <laughs> fall under. But you know, stay positive and and treat everybody nicely and fairly and uh, be very open. And you nailed it. I was really amazed by that. I don't think that you probably expected to hear anybody bring that back up again. But no, uh, and like I, I totally forgotten about it jack and i wasn't even sure what you were talking about until you mentioned the location and even then i don't remember what happened i do remember uh, the other party involved and i don't think i had done anything but i think i was uh i don't know if i was playing peacemaker or peace i don't know what i was honestly you'll have to refresh me and we can do it offline if you're not comfortable talking <laughs> about it here yeah well but, it okay. just served as an example i mean in real life you are what you are online. So I'm I'm vouching for that because some people are, you know, out there, it seems like that's the who they are on social, <laughs> you know, but we don't have any way of knowing that. And you really do walk the walk, and I just wanted everybody to know that in uh, in real life, IRL and um, online. Well, so that's I, I pretty cool. That. I think that has you a lot know, to do with why you get gigs. I, I heard somebody say before, or, or like early in my speaking gig, um, which, which would have been 10 years or so ago when I did my first um, speaking gig. Somebody, and I, can't, I wish I could remember who it was, or maybe I read it, I don't know. But what I heard is that the people in the limelight who are on, uh, in, in real life one thing and on stage another are the unhappiest people because the, the, the duality that they live out um, the tension between, you know, mm -hmm. who they really are and who they uh, are purported to be in the public sphere um, cause them a lot of internal struggles. And I thought, well, why be something you're not anyway? Why, what are you trying? Obviously, you're trying to impress people if that's what you're doing, and you're impressing them by lying, basically, by being something other than you are. And, and I think at that moment I decided why do that? Why be a poser when God has given me the gift of me, just as he's given everybody the gift of themselves? Why not just use that, whatever it is, warts and all? And not that I have any warts, but if I did, I would accept them as part of me. Yeah. I was just wondering also, I, I think I think there is, this is another attack at the big question, uh, another approach toward it anyway is that people will look at what you do mainly. I mean, you're going crazy over this little thing from Amazon that you got. And on social, and people are, I think some people are wondering, how does that translate? How does that translate into Joel's business growing? 
Can you talk about how storytelling or, or your approach to, I don't want to even put an idea in your head, but your approach to doing what you do on social media, how does that keep the Joelcom enterprise running and growing? <laughs> well, I am my brand. Uh, you know, it used to be that uh, when I got started, I built websites that um, that were unrelated to me as a person. They were just the websites I own. And so I've, you know, built sites, I've sold sites, I've created products, I've sold products. But today, uh, 20 years later, everything I do is tied back to my personal brand, and I am my brand. And so uh, storytelling is really what I'm all about. Uh, you know, I, I write books, I speak from the stage, I blog, I post on social, I tell stories. And, you know, who knew? I certainly didn't know. When I took, when I got a degree in speech communications in college at the University of Illinois and uh, graduated in 1986, so now I've dated myself and you can do the math, um, <laughs> I I did it because it was the path of least resistance. I didn't really have any desire to be a public speaker or a writer. In fact, I was terrified at the thought of public speaking and standing before a classroom of, of 15 of my peers. I lost sleep the night before, and I trembled with note cards in my hand. Never had a desire to do it. Uh, turns out that being a communicator and teaching people, inspiring people, and entertaining, having some fun along the way, is really what I'm best at doing. It is where I have the greatest impact on the world around me. And so I embrace that, and I tell stories. And it's always those three things, Jack. I, I want to – teaching is important, but I feel like any monkey can share the material. Um, uh, to me, inspiring people is more important because if you can unlock the heart, you can speak to the mind. If you can help people to feel a certain way – they will remember that. I think Maya Angelou said that people won't remember what you uh, told them, but they'll remember how you made them feel. And so I do that just by sharing stories, by teaching them something that they can use, and hopefully making them laugh along the way, sometimes because something I said or did was funny, and sometimes because they're laughing at me. And that's fine. I'm okay with putting my foot in my mouth and, and being, you know, the butt of the jokes if, uh, if I have it coming at me because I'm a big boy. And this, this is what happens when you put yourself out there. That's awesome. You know, you told a story at said JV Zoo um, not too uh, long ago. We were uh, in Florida, and you were speaking, and you told a really, really cool story. I wanted to see if we could – have a synopsis of that story the, the the one about you having to go and get a job at a bookstore fairly recently in your career do you want to tell people a little bit about that i love that sure. story well let's be clear i didn't have to go and, and get a job yeah um, i heard there's... things were tough and you had to go work at a bookstore is what i heard is that not is that not correct so that you're half right so around uh <laughs> beginning of 2011 um things in my business had taken a a not-so-pleasant turn due to some bad hires and overstaffing and a change in the economy. Things in my personal life took a bad turn, and I needed a change. And so over the period of about, oh, a year, year and a half, I let go of everybody, and I had a staff of uh, 38 at my peak um, and uh, sold off a couple of my larger properties, and I took a sabbatical. It was uh, just about a two-year sabbatical where I wasn't writing books. I wasn't really blogging much. I wasn't speaking. I was turning away speaking gigs. I wasn't 
very much in the public, you know, sphere. And I needed time to work on myself physically, emotionally, spiritually. I just needed time to clean house. And uh, and I did that. But towards the end of the sabbatical, I guess the last six months or so, I wasn't ready to get back to work, but I was feeling uh, fidgety. And I thought, you know, let's shake up Joel Tom's paradigm and do something completely different. And I thought, I'm going to get a job one shift a week somewhere. I don't need the money. I just want to do something different and reconnect with people in a different way, not as author, speaker, but serving people. And ended up going to work at a Barnes & Noble bookstore in Westminster, Colorado, one shift a week, um, sometimes on the floor. But my favorite thing to do was to be cashier. And for $7.50 an hour, incredible experience, great opportunity to connect with people as they brought their books up to the counter and to hone my sales skills as well because they sell memberships to uh, people that, that come up there for $25. And I went to the top of the uh, the list for conversions on selling these memberships to Barnes & Noble customers. And it was a fun experience. That is so cool. So, I mean, some of the some of the things like uh, you didn't have anybody actually check out with your book. That was a disappointment, right? Uh, you know, I always hoped that somebody would come up and drop one of my books on the counter, and, and I would look at them. I had it all worked out in my mind. I would look at them and say, would you like me to sign that? <laughs> and it never I bet happened. you had it all it, planned out. <laughs> yeah, it never I would have. And it was disappointing, but, well, yeah, life is just full of disappointments, isn't it? Yeah, well, you weren't exactly the model uh, worker. You only worked a couple hours here and there, right? So, uh, they, they were six-hour shifts. Hey, I worked hard. They wanted me to oh. work more, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I, uh, I I couldn't. Uh, well, and here's I might have stuck around a little bit longer, but they scheduled three weeks out. And once I started getting back to work and speaking, you know, so many things are spur of the moment or the week before. I didn't want to leave them hanging, and so uh, that was the the end of that. Well, let's go to another uh, topic. That was really awesome. We had to have you tell that to everybody because that's I just love that thing. And you you do do an awesome uh, whole thing, but you don't do it you don't do it the same every time. You just really are uh, as for somebody who you know claims to have a, a one time been very scared of public speaking. <laughs> you've gotten over that obviously. So I think uh, yeah, you're pretty casual I, about how you approach each one, right? Um, I, I really have. I don't get scared anymore. And I'll tell you, you know, look, I think we we like to take credit for stuff, um, but sometimes I'll give credit beyond where uh, others think it's due because I'm just a regular guy. I really am. There's There's nothing, you know, we could say, hey, we're all special. We're all exceptional. Great. But bottom line is, you know, I'm a regular guy. I live in a a small house uh, by myself in Denver, Colorado. My kids are grown. The 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 uh, I have no pets. I've got a really casual lifestyle, and uh, and I just do what I love to do. And we we all have the opportunity to do what we love to do. The question is, are we willing to take risks to make that happen? If we aren't and we're complacent, then we're just going to do what we've always done, and we won't know anything different. But if we're willing to fail and say, you know, I'm going to try this. This may work. It may not. I sure hope it does. But if it doesn't, it's not the end of the world. I'll just go on to the next thing. I think that's really the key to uh, to the success of, of myself, my brand, and my products. Yeah. Well, what would you say to people who have a brand that is their company 
and they don't really know that they have a personal brand that is them. So, for, for instance, for me, I represent Directions University, and I have my personal brand, Jack Humphrey. And some people have a hard time trying to figure out, well, should I be like, should I be spending my time like Joel does? Because I'm not really, my name, myself, that's not my brand. What do you say to people who say that or if they have ever done that, actually asked you that before? Companies are made up of individuals, of people. There is no company without people. Until we have a world of, uh, you know, robots that are running everything, companies are made up of individuals. <clears throat> and especially in the age of social, people want to connect. Uh, you know, we've been through the era of the big corporations that feel distant, and people don't like that. They don't like the sense of it's them against this faceless enterprise. So all the more important for smaller businesses, the more you can put a personal face on the company by uh, highlighting the people who work there and are, who are coming up with the ideas and who are marketing and who are selling and who are customer service, the more the public feels like they can connect with real people, the more they will like, know, and trust that company. So I'm, you know, I'm not opposed uh, to individuals in the company communicating their brand as representatives of that company and of those products and services. I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, it's really all – it just makes it – you know, when we got on Google Plus for the first time and then they finally had uh, business pages, and we all had been on Google Plus long enough to – once they made business pages available to kind of scratch our heads and go, I don't know why I need that. I don't, I don't know. You know, we have, we all signed up. We were thinking, well, I guess it's going to be just like Facebook pages, and that's you know our biz brand and all that kind of stuff. And I guess we'll figure out something to do there. But this time, the social network started, and then the pages came, and we were already ensconced in our little little miniature brand new brands on Google Plus and all figuring it all out together. And it was really weird because we didn't have the option of going and pretending, you know, well, this is me business, and so I'm going to go set this up because Google just gave us profiles first, personal profiles. And it wasn't very long. We started getting those pages, and we were all looking at each other kind of like, what, what are we going to do with this? Because people are responding to us personally, our personal stuff and when we're sharing all kinds of things interspersed with hey I've got a webinar coming up and we're getting really really great response from that and lo and behold when we started using the pages the business pages on Google Plus we weren't getting that kind of response do you consult with people or talk with people much about this topic either on Facebook pages where it's the brand versus the personal brand or have any thoughts on that topic? Well, I, I, you know, I don't, not too in depth because I don't get so much into uh, the strategy of, you know, or the tactics of the war. I never always get too mm -hmm. confused, strategy and tactics. To me, they're, they're interchangeable, but I know they're different things. See, I don't know everything. Uh, you know, I feel <laughs> like the moment that you go towards um, a commercial offering that one of these social sites has, the uh, you're walking into their trap because you're the first to be monetized. And I, you know, I've got a Facebook uh, personal page. I think I'm nearing 2,000 friends, uh, not because people don't want to send me friend requests. I had 5,000 back in oh, 2010, 
And I unfriended everybody because I didn't know most of these people, and then I refriended. Uh, of course, it was controversial at the time. Now a lot of people do that same thing, and they hit the limit. They're like, who are these people? And I set up a Facebook fan page. That fan page, and now I just accept friend requests from people that I actually know. You can still send me a friend request if I decline it. You follow me, and I think there's like eight or 9,000 people following me. But my fan page has 38,000 uh, likes on it. Well, I get way more engagement on my personal page than my fan page. And uh, and I think that's how it's supposed to be because the people who actually know me are more likely to engage with me. So, I, you know, I try not to fall into the, the commercial trap. I realize that there's other avenues to do this. Yeah. Well, so we can't get into tactics. And I think there's, you should ask Alexa, what, what's the difference between strategy and tactics? Don't do well, it. They probably won't know. Alexa, what's the definition of strategy? The word strategy means one, the branch of military science dealing with military command and the planning and conduct of the war. Two, an elaborate and systematic plan of action. So it's more of a plan. Alexa, what's the definition of tactics? Tactics has a couple of uses. One, a plan for attaining a particular goal. Two, the branch of military science dealing with detailed maneuvers to achieve objectives set by strategy. I think they're synonymous. They seem like it. They feel like it. But in a teaching environment, of course, we have to keep them separate. We're not right. Okay, so now i got to jump in and help you guys understand the difference in business between strategy and tactics. <laughs> Would that be okay for Watch out. Here, come, here comes the oracle. So strategy is the plan. It's that bigger picture strategy, the thing that is going to move you forward. The pieces that you're doing to implement it are the tactics. Ah, well, we're going to have to have a talk with Webster's then because apparently yeah. they're not aware of the definition that we in the business realm have come up with. I think we should. Okay, so Thank you, Gina, For all of you guys, you have to use things like the Echo from Amazon or Siri on your phone or something like that. But I have something called Gina, the Oracle, and I can just <laughs> dial her up and say, what's the difference between all this stuff? And she always has an answer, even when she doesn't have an answer. It's awesome. Amazing. Thank you, Jack. Amazing. <laughs> Gina, do you have any questions for Joel today? I've just totally, totally been hogging him. Well, you know, I am the JV queen, and it would not be good if I didn't get him to talk a little bit about the role that joint ventures have played in his business. Uh, huge, huge role, Gina. Thanks, thanks for asking. And you are the queen, baby. Yes, you are. Um, <laughs> I, I think uh, very early on, my first joint venture helped to set the uh, chart my, my course. And this was back in uh, 1997, early 97, I believe it was. Uh, I, I had my content site going, and my webmaster had come across a very rudimentary multiplayer game site that a grad student at University of California, San Diego, had created. Uh, back in those days, there weren't really a lot of multiplayer anything, and he had created a few games, chess, checkers, backgammon, heart, spade, and he had a few of his friends beta testing the site. And I came along and said, uh, you know, 
this is really cool what you're doing. I like it. Why don't we partner up? Of course, now we would use the words joint venture. And uh, I'll, let's rebrand it. You keep building it, and I'll do the marketing of it. And let's see what we can do. And the site classicgames.com was born. And as the story goes, a year later, we were acquired by Yahoo for seven figures. And that, so, you know, I didn't know the name for it at the time. I didn't know that was joint venture. Uh, I, but that's truly what it was. It was people, businesses bringing their own resources and saying, I'll do this, you'll do this, and together we'll do this. I think um, a, a lot of people in the internet, internet marketing industry use the term JV wrong, completely wrong. They say JV with me, and what they really mean is be my affiliate and promote my product. That's not a joint mm-hmm. venture. It's not, and I, it makes me crazy, and I, and I wish that we would educate people so they would stop using the term. A joint venture is when two people bring their own resources. Now, you could make the case and say, well, it is a joint venture because the affiliate is bringing their customer base. That's, that's just promotion. That's not a joint venture. Right. It is. Rant it's it's kind of nuts. So you get – you get into our world and you listen to Gina talk about these things and you get a heck of an education <laughs> on what they really are. And absolutely nothing in, in our world or in this you know, client and student's world after they talk to Gina is a one-dimensional black and white flat, you mail for me, I'll mail for you kind of deal. It's nothing right. like that. That's just affiliate promotion. That is not a joint venture. Exactly. Exactly, and, uh, you know, it, we're getting there. But, you know, to answer your question, uh, put a period at the end of it, that was just the first of many joint ventures that I've done in my career that have really helped to take my career to that next level. Uh, other people and the value that they bring uh, is so important. No man is really an island, and this man certainly is not. I'm I'm more like, you know, um, a city surrounded by other cities, for lack of a better Great way to look analogy. at it. Great way to look at it. And the leverage that you've gotten from every single JV that I've seen publicly has just been enormous. It advances your business by many years versus what it would take you to do on your own. Absolutely. And my radar is always up. I get uh, pitched. Just about every day, sometimes multiple times, people want 10 minutes of my time to share whatever it is with me, and I'm to the point where I, I say, shoot me a quick email with a synopsis. If it you know, triggers something in me, I'm interested, I'll get back to you and we'll talk. But for the most part, it's 99% no um, because it has to really excite me. And, and if it excites me, then I explore, okay, is this possible and who can I work with to accomplish this because I know that I'm much stronger when I'm paired with somebody who else who knows what they're doing. So do you have to be excited if it's something that you know would probably make a bunch of money, but do you, do you turn things down if you're not, if it doesn't have that excitement factor in it? Uh, usually. Yeah. If I'm not into it, I'm probably not going to excel at it. Uh, money itself is no longer my prime motivator. Uh, lifestyle is. I consider myself a lifestyle entrepreneur. Yes. 
I want to be able to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, where I want to do it, with the people that I want to do it in, for my own reasons. And as long as I've got enough money to to live that lifestyle, then I'm happy. The accumulation of wealth just doesn't have uh, an appeal to me, and it's fine for those who do go for it and and make your millions and billions. Uh, I'm I'm happy living small. Actually, I have a small house in a quaint neighborhood. I try to minimize the amount of stuff that I have around me, although I am kind of addicted to getting gadgets, um, such as the new Echo. Uh, thank you, Amazon. Send me a check. Um, but I, I find that the less I have, the happier I am. Well, and I totally led you into that, and you totally to fell stuff. into my trap. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, you, so you said lifestyle. I, I got Joel Kahn to say lifestyle. Because I wanted, I I knew that was true, and I just wanted you to say it. <laughs> like that is really important. And a lot of the times, you know, we're talking to people now, and they're saying they're being really thankful because we start right off with talking about what's your life like. When they want to find out what we know about business, we're like, hold on a second. What do you want your life to be like? And they're totally taken aback. Ninety-nine percent of them are always like, what are you doing asking me that question? Or questions about how I want my life to look in one to three years or five years and, and things like that. That has nothing to show me how to get traffic, show me how to sell stuff, show me how to use the latest Facebook marketing thing. And then we, we ask them that question that usually stops them dead in their tracks. But by the time we get through that exercise, they really come out with another, a, a new appreciation for what it is that they're actually doing. Like your business really seems to fit well into your life. And I think that you – put a high priority on being that guy from contact uh, that flies around in a plane. That's where he lives is, is at 30,000 feet because you're always on a plane, right? <laughs> it, it, sometimes it feels that way. I've got a, you know, a little bit of downtime here for this month. I think only one trip, but then it really starts to get crazy. Uh, but it's, yeah. I, I like it. I enjoy it. I enjoy the freedom. I'm in yeah. a stage of my life right now that, the freedom is really the most important thing, that uh, the only appointments I have are the ones that, that I make or accept, uh, such as right. this call. You know, they, I, you asked if I would be on the show, and I said I would love to because uh, you think you're both great. And so I, I show up, but it's, it's by choice. It's not because a boss says, well, you need to be there at 9 a.m., and then I need you in this meeting at 1, and, ah, you know, don't do that to me. I can't I can't cope. I've been free too long. Go through your mental Rolodex and pick out, try to get, come up with some percentage of the people that you met in the last year at all the conferences and all the things that you've gone to who are who have always felt the way that you do about lifestyle or who are really getting turned on to that being a really important thing in their lives. Is it a significant percentage of people that you meet now in business, or is it still need some work? Uh, I, I think it probably still needs some work. Maybe I am a little more in tune with discovering those people because that's the frequency that I'm, you know, modulating on. Uh, so I, I think like attracts like, and so uh, I've always tended to attract people who are free spirited and, and fun loving you know, like myself, I consider them, you know, brothers from another mother or sisters from another mister, right? These are, they're people that you <laughs> feel a kinship with 
because you seem to just you're you're broadcasting on the same wavelength. You you get each other. And so yeah. I think I, I tend to attract that type of person. And if I meet somebody who's stuck or they're a sourpuss or they're negative or they're into things that I really don't care to discuss, the odds are I'm not going to spend a lot of time with them. And uh, I don't think there's any shortage of, of those people out there either. They just I don't have as many of them in my sphere. Well, the reason I asked is because I wanted to give people an idea of, you know, you said something very, very definitive about how you like to be approached and whether or not you will accept a certain um, working arrangement with somebody, a joint venture and whatever might be being proposed, and just give people another idea that there are more and more of us out there who, if you don't approach us in the right way and you don't take into account that we've built our lives, especially us old-timers, we've been doing this long enough that we uh, we are the ones most likely to be in that category of I don't do it if I don't like it, if it's not exciting me, my lifestyle is more important than what's how many zeros in the bank account and all of that. I think a lot of people don't understand that, and so we get approached like you do. <laughs> we get approached by people who are just, it's all about the money, and they want us to be as excited about the money as they are. And yeah. this thing that they're asking us to do might be something that's outside of our wheelhouse. We don't really want to do that stuff anymore, no matter how much money is there. And, of course, you've got to get comfortable enough for that to be true because, I mean, you can't look a gift horse in the mouth when you're completely, you know, 87 cents in your bank account. You've got to take advantage of things when you can. But after a while, a lot of, I think a lot of people end up in our situation where it's a, it's a lifestyle choice and then the business and then the JVs, and then everything else. And that might help people to understand when you're approaching someone and you get a no, that it, it was really important before you did that to go and find out more about them. And, you know, I mean, you're an open book, and you could tell, I think, it's pretty easy to tell, how you would approach a Joel Com as opposed to um, some others. I mean, it's, it, you live out there, and you're, you're, you're there like every minute of the day sometimes it seems like. So people have ample opportunity to see what you are all about. I think you make it really plain, but a lot of people must approach you as if they've never seen what you do on social or never taken the time to really find out about you. Well, and I've learned to have really good boundaries. I know how to say no like the best of them. If it's not a fit, I'm not going to do the codependent dance and try to figure out how I get out of this. I'm going to be really straightforward with you. And when people approach me, even if they're they're good, you know, they're friends, um, and I don't think it's a good fit, I'll say, you know, here's where I am. I don't know that I could really be of assistance. And then, of course, you've got those that don't know you at all, feel like they know you because they've read your stuff or they've followed you, and they immediately come with a pitch. And my my walls mm-hmm. go way up with that because what that tells me is that you see me as an opportunity. And uh, there may be opportunity there, but I'm a human being. And I have hopes and dreams and fears and wishes and expectations and disappointments and you know, if you cut me, do I not bleed? You know, I'm a person, and if you treat me like a, a gravy train, um, then I'm going to be repelled by that. My first instinct is going to be to push away, not to draw in. And so the, those who don't know me and other people who have some sort of notoriety, might be infamous, um, with trying to get to know that person first, offering some sort of value, it's like saying, 
I don't want anything from you. I want to give this to you. Not that I'm saying give me stuff. Uh, when when it's a right fit, you do the right thing. And because um, you know, I don't want a bunch of stuff showing up on my doorstep unless I've ordered it. Although I did get, I just <laughs> opened my door and I did get a gift today. And I'm just going to share it with you. It's a t- because it's a T-shirt. Um, it's a black T-shirt with small print, and I think this is the brand. It's white print on this black T-shirt, and it just says, be good to people. Now, normally I wouldn't pimp something that somebody sent me, but they, they get me. They understand that yeah. this is what I'm all about, and they sent me uh, this shirt and some stickers and a pen and a nice card just as a gift. And be good to people. What a, a Ted Rubin says that. He says, uh, just be nice. Oh, yeah. One of his hashtags. Just be nice. Ted was here a couple uh, weeks ago for our social media shenanigans meetup, and boy, was that a good time. And he's another guy who what you see is what you get. And you'll discover that in the social media space, the people who have risen to the top, to the forefront, are by and large real people. There's a handful in there that I think are not they're not legit, but there's always going to be some of those. For the most part, they are legit. And um, and I think that's one of the things that social's done for us is it helps show us who people really are. Well, let me, let me rephrase well, that. It's given people uh-oh. a platform to be who they really are. Yes. I like that one. I like the first one, but that one's good too. I like how you know to qualify things. Uh, as you're saying them, like you've been through this before <laughs> a couple of times, and not that I'm saying people need to start sending me stuff. <laughs> yeah, I just like that. I don't know what, because I just have a feeling that that's what uh, was about to happen. A bunch of drones were going to descend on your house with uh, all kinds of t-shirts and pets. And <laughs> yeah, I don't need. I, don't I do need think that I do think that you need a dog. I, I th- if you if you see a box on your porch, it's got little holes on it. That's from me. And I think this whole Echo thing, this Amazon Echo thing, is just leading up to you getting a dog. That's uh, you know, I it. wish I could. I already know what kind of dog I want, but I cannot have a dog. I can't. I travel too much, and there's nobody to oh, take yeah. care of it, and I don't want to kennel it. Uh, if I, When I finally do settle down and stop traveling or get married and have somebody who's at home or whatever, uh, I would probably get a, uh, a King uh, Charles Cavalier Spaniel. Love those little guys. Oh, so nice. I'm, I'm, I learned to be a little dog guy. I had a, an Airedale Terrier with, came into our house uh, with a, my dad's remarriage when I was a boy, and they were big dogs. But uh, my, uh, my my first marriage, we had a, um, a little uh, Yorkie and uh, Socrates, which was the namesake for the Socrates WordPress theme that, uh, that I sold and created with uh, Dan Nickerson. And did very well with that. Um, so one day a dog, but right now it's just me and the freedom of not having to care for anybody but myself. It, it really is liberating. And I got to tell you, I'm looking outside. It is uh, February the third. We're in Denver, Colorado. Uh, two days ago, it dropped six inches of snow on us. Today, I see some snow on the grass, but it's going to be 58 degrees today. And beautiful, and I will be going for a walk. And you know, oh, I don't, John, I'm going to try really hard not to be jealous. What's that, Gina? There's a new, 
there's a new chain that is called the Dog Resort. We have one here in Fort Myers, Florida. It is a new concept, and I agree with you. I would never kennel my dog, but the Dog Resort, he has fallen in love with it. We have fallen in love with it, and we take him there just for a couple hours at a time sometimes because he loves it so much. The dogs have their own room, but it's not a cage. It's a room. And there's no doors on it so that they can actually go and interact with the other dogs. My dog thinks he's on vacation when he gets to go to the dog resort. How fun. Social media <laughs> for dogs. Oh, yeah. I put a giant like button in there, and there's no telling what will happen. <laughs> one, well, one day, so we only have a couple of minutes left. A dog. No dogs. Don't send me any dogs. No dogs. But, yeah, that was just a joke, people. No dogs, actually. Stuffed animals might be okay, but anyway, <laughs> we have a couple of minutes left, and then we have our final segment with Jan interviewing one of the Directions University students. So I wanted to say, first of all, thank you so much, Joel, for making the time to come on today. And um, I want to know, what do you tell people at the end of these things to do? Because you've got so much that they could do. Where do they come first to learn more about your, you know, if people who are being introduced to you for the first time here, where, where do they need to go? Well, I'm the only Joel Com in the world, so I'm the easiest guy to find. Google me, and you'll get about a million results, and they'll take you to my uh, my blog at joelcom.com, all my social pages, my Amazon author pages, my Wikipedia page, uh, the interviews I've done, the list goes on. So I'm really easy to find, and I uh, love that if you would reach out to me, especially on Facebook, even though I wrote the book on Twitter and have the third edition of Twitter Power coming out next month, I spend more time personally on Facebook and uh, really easy to uh, to find me there as well. That's joelcom with two M's dot com, everybody. And it's not joel.com, but we ran out of time for me to razz you about that since you were on the well, internet you wouldn't for be so the, You wouldn't long. be the first, so it's okay. I know. I know. That's just like somebody making a jack joke. So I, I, I left it out on purpose. That's what. <laughs> Thanks again, Joel, so much. Gina? Fantastic, Joel. Thank you again. Thanks Let for us having know me. if there's anything we can ever do to help you. You betcha. Have a great day. And now we have Jan with her short with Dr. Ina Gilmore, the knitting doctor, a DU bachelor's student from caregivingwithpurpose.com. Hi, I'm Jan Riley with You Create You, and today I'm with a really special guest, Ina Gilmore. Ina, I have been really looking forward to this because you have been rocking it on social media. Plus, you have one of the most, I'm going to say, really special businesses I've ever heard of, and it's so needed. And I would like you to share right now with our audience what it is you do and who you help. Oh, sure. Thank you. Thank you, Jan, and thank you for having me here. I'm, I'm a former uh, infectious diseases and general internal medicine physician who shortly after 9-11 uh, left my, uh, my, my practice of, internal, of infectious diseases rather, and decided to take care of my mom full time. Uh, and 
went through caregiving for, with her for about nine, well, actually a total of 13 years because she was living with me at the time and I was sort of taking care of her part-time. That as things progressed, I became her full-time caregiver. And that's what my business has turned into is I was looking for ways to do things on the Internet, to, to work from home rather than trying to be a physician and being, having all kinds of screwy hours that I couldn't take care of her. And I realized that my whole life I've been a caregiver, not officially, um, but that's, that's really my purpose in life is, is to be a caregiver and to help other caregivers. And some of the things that we went through with my mom, I don't think anybody should have to go through. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to help caregivers navigate the confusion that, that caregiving can do. So I started um, Caregiving with Purpose, which is caregivingwithpurpose.com. And that is a blog. And it covers, it covers caregivers. It's primarily geared for caregivers who are caring for an elder parent, especially if there's some dementia involved. But that's not, I mean, any, anyone is welcome to the site. And there's information there that would be helpful to most any caregiver. And oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, uh, most caregivers are really not very prepared for this, even as much as you may try. Uh, it, it just kind of is thrust into your lap. And generally, you're catching up as you go. And the, the whole thing is pretty confusing and, and fairly overwhelming. And on top of that, it's really important. Yeah. It's not yeah. like a hobby. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. that's what I have found with me. It's like, oh, this everything seems really important. It's very hard to know what is actually critical and not. That's that's absolutely true. And it's I, also true that most caregivers don't think of themselves first as a caregiver. Mm-hmm. They think of themselves as a son or a daughter or a father or a mother or brother sister or you know whoever it is it, or even a friend. You know it's it's that kind of and it's that emotional attachment to the person and right. it's totally different being a professional caregiver where you have some distance and being um, a family caregiver where that you are so um, emotionally involved right. in the whole situation. I mean, it's, it's, it's totally different. Well, but, I was shocked to hear you say, I mean, here you are, you're a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> you're obviously, you know, someone familiar with the whole medical process, and you said there were things that happened to you you wouldn't wish on anybody. And I thought, wow, okay, I feel a little better now. Yeah. Um, well, there were some things that I'm convinced that because I could stand up and say, I am a physician, and this is not what we're going to do, um, that's why it got done that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, now, there were other times that it didn't make any difference whether I was a doctor or not. But when a physician is, going, is, is offering to um, go against a living will, for example, Right. I had to say, I had to step in and say, no, that is not what she wants done. We're going to do it this way. Right. And there were some things that, you know, if it was following protocol, um, that's, that's the way they thought it should be done. But, you know, when the person is having a reaction and it's not in the books, that doesn't mean it isn't an important reaction. Mm-hmm. You know, to consider yeah, I, things like that that happen. And, 
And, you know, now there's so many people in the medical process. Yeah. I mean, I'm not dealing with a doctor. I'm dealing with 25 people before I even talk to a doctor. And then it's a team of doctors who talk to each other. And simple things like keeping track of the meds and what's been prescribed and what's been dropped off and what's been changed. I mean, it's like a weekly process. And oh, that oh, information yeah. is just... Uh, it's hard to keep track of as a normal person. Absolutely, and, and most caregivers are keeping track of between five and nine medicines a day. Mm-hmm. And when, yeah. you've got, you, when you've got a team of doctors that aren't necessarily talking to each other on a minute-by-minute basis, and somebody's making a change in the medicine, often it's adding another one, right. which can be fine, but you have to realize that there's a, a limit to how many to how many um, medications I think that people can juggle sometimes. And the doctors have to understand that sometimes the medicine needs to be taken off. It doesn't need to be just added to. Right. My mom had, when we, my mom, my mom just passed. When we were going through her medication, there was 27 a day. Yeah, and who's who's helping you with figuring out the ones that are be given with meals, between meals, two hours right. after meals, a meal an yeah. hour before, you know, at bedtime? It's yeah. crazy. It was a, yeah, it really was. And then yeah. that's just one tiny piece. So, yes, and really simple things that I know uh, I've helped other friends of mine with. I helped a friend who was in the hospital and then had a ambulatory issues for a couple of years. While she recuperated, and it was making uh, sure that the doors stayed open. Uh-huh. So it was just adjusting the hinges. So when the door opened, it didn't sit halfway because she would hit it when she was walking in and out. Making sure that the grab bars were actually mounted into wood studs. Right. Things like that, and mounting them in several different places in the house where she was prone to grab. Sure. Uh, and that was very, very helpful. You know, we went and widened all of her walkways through the house, which you don't think about when you can walk and sort of, you know, twist around. But it it made it so much easier for her to make sure she could walk without tripping or falling and to have plenty of room to steady herself. And it was really just some planning and it didn't take a lot of effort, but it did take making the effort. Right, right. Yeah, we found that too. We also found that uh, putting railings on either side of the steps, you know, yeah. not just on one side. No. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we actually grab- put railings down her hall for her. Yeah, yeah, that I've seen that before. Yeah, because it was a, it was you know a long hall and it had right. a bunch of doors in it. But the problem was she would hit it with her hands. Sure. And there wasn't anything to grab on, and mm-hmm. part of her. Thing was a hip and back issue, so she needed to be able to walk. Right. But tell me how people can find out how they can actually get some really support for being a caretaker and and learn how to go through this process successfully. Well, they can go to my website at caregivingwithpurpose.com, and that's that's spelled C A R E G I V I. N G W I T H P U R P O S E 
com, and they can also um, they can contact me there. There's a contact page. Um, we're going in the next few weeks. We're going to be having our first course up, which will help uh, caregivers to take care of themselves and to also be prepared for the caregiving. It's particularly designed for people that are beginning caregivers or feel like they really need to start at the beginning. Oh, that's and, awesome. Uh, this is going to help so many people. And I am so thrilled to be able to talk to you about it because, like I said, it just it's so needed. It's such an obvious need and uh, out in the world. And I'm so happy that you have been able to harness so that you Well, thank you, Jan and Ina. Jack and I will be back next week, same time, same place. And Jack, do you remember who we have on board for next week's show? Who, who, who? David Perdue from NAMS. Nice. Can't wait. We have got amazing guests on every single week this month. Next week, on the 10th of February, we have David Perdue joining us from MyNAMS, askggg.com forward slash MyNAMS. The following week, on the 17th, we have Natalie Ledwell from Mind Movies joining us. And the last week of February, on the 24th, I believe, we have Tom Bell joining us. So make sure you come back every week and check out the amazing guests and the advice that they've got for how to improve traffic, engagement, and conversion. See you guys next week. Thanks, Jack. Bye-bye. Join us Tuesday at noon Eastern for the next episode of Traffic Masters, from traffic to conversion to business success.